Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of my podcast. I'm Aluma Phoenix, and this is the podcast where I really interview people that inspire me to consistently and persistently pursue my potential. Today, I'm delighted to have a very kindred spirit with me, uh, Melina Rigos, uh, described herself as a rebel entrepreneur, um, and she's the founder of the Unhustle Movement, and on a mission to inspire people to take their lives back from the always-on exhausting work culture and create sustainable success and unleash their human potential. Um, Melina, uh, it was previously a marketeer working with some of the world's most powerful brands, such as Madonna, Steve Nash Fitness, World uh, UFC Gym, um, and has been featured um, in CNN Business, NPR, Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, as well as speaking at the Davos uh, World Economic Forum, sharing the stage with business luminaries and global leaders to activate change on a global scale. Uh, Melina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love that chair behind you, as I told you. <laughs> People can't see it, but that's fantastic. <laughs> so look, Melina, um, look, I have been massively inspired by what you're doing with Unhustle and um, the movement that you're creating behind it. Uh, but before we want to talk about specifically what Unhustle is, can you give, give us a little bit of an understanding of your backstory? Um, so, you know, what, what, what were you doing? And then what was the moment where you realized that maybe... Things need to change for you, yeah? Yeah, certainly. So to keep it brief, I'm originally from Bulgaria. I came to the United States to pursue my master's degree in international marketing and to really chase the American dream. And for me, the American dream was consisting in a lot of material stuff, um, certain lifestyles, certain certain titles, certain amount of money so I can have my life which in freedom, which I, could, I didn't have back in Bulgaria. So um, I went on to do the, just this and pursued a marketing career for 24 years. Anything from working for a media company uh, in 1996, so really, really early adopt, adopter of uh, online marketing. I actually remember having to explain to people how to spell Google at parties. <laughs> You know, these are the days of Ask Jeeves and Alta Vista and <laughs> all these good things. So I got really deep into um, online marketing back in back in the early days. And then I was a marketing director for a ski resort for 10 years. You know, I got paid to ski and that was a really, really fun job. And eventually ended up starting my own digital marketing agency when social media really picked up because uh, as an entrepreneur, early entrepreneur, um, back in Bulgaria, I was, uh, started my first business at the age of 17, renting windsurfs at the Black Sea. So the entrepreneurial spirit came back and I started my own agency. And that's when I went full on in this hustle culture mentality, you know, working, working 18 hour days, sleeping with my phone, had clients, um, different time zones. So I was always trying to adjust myself to, to their schedules and being on social media, I spent a lot of time just bouncing on different social networks for all my clients, which I realized started to impact my brain, started to impact my focus, my attention, um, my health deteriorated. Um, I, I stopped connecting with all my friends because I was constantly working. <clears throat> so enter burnout, right? Enter some kind of burnout stage. And I realized... Um, that something had to change. But it really wasn't until I went to Mexico on a 10-day trip, which turned out to be a digital detox trip by default, just because there was no internet there. I was flooding. I decided to learn how to kiteboard. 
And I remember I was floating in the ocean, scared for my life because it was just the scariest activity I've ever done that I realized I can't think about work right now. I have to actually focus or I'll die. And that turned into this very mindful moment, but it turned into that moment of flow um, as well as I was doing my figure eight and I was fully in my body, in the water, fully focused on the kite. And I was thinking, there's got to be more to life than working. And is there a better way to get to our work days in, in more of a state of high performance so you can work fewer hours and still achieve all of your business goals? And that's what got me on this journey of how do I do it for myself? How do I show other people how to do it? So got into the whole science of well-being, into the whole science of flow as a, as a way for high performance. And then Hustle was born as part of it. As you know, you and I were chatting earlier about the Human Potential Institute. I signed up with them. So I was able to look at my, my own well-being, my own mind-body state, and um, did the whole stress reduction mindfulness training. And it was really during that training that I was really able to connect with, with more of, of myself and tap into a state of presence and be able to work completely differently. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, in many ways, uh, what you're talking about resonates very strongly because um, I remember a moment um, in my own career on a beach in the Bahamas. I got over with uh, HP, who I was working for at the time, uh, for a, a winter summit. I was in sales and had you know, achieved massive success. But walking along that beach, being incredibly unhappy, <laughs> despite the fact that I should have been at the you know pinnacle of what was supposedly success. And I remember watching... Um, uh, some people doing some meditation. It was a yoga retreat next uh, to, to the beach. Um, they looked fit and healthy in their bodies, um, but they also looked fully in their bodies, fully, you know, kind of present in the moment. And um, there was a bit of a spark for myself at that stage. You know, what? There, there's something I'm missing here. Um, and I, I think this is common um, for many people. A, a moment arrives where you do hit that burnout phase. Um, particularly when you drive yourself so hard, which I think is common across the corporate world, you know, with people experiencing, you know, burnout and disengagement, et cetera. So in many ways, the ways we're working are not working for us as individuals and humans. <laughs> so tell me about our hustle and, and, you know, how we can work in maybe in a, in a more uh, informed way when we think about what the science says about high performance and our well-being and, and how the two come together. Certainly. So again, uh, with the hustle, I had to show myself, and you know, I, I like to look into the science, and, and um, I had to prove to myself it's not just a some kind of a idealistic way of going about it, right? So I got deep into the science of um, biohacking and uh, neuroscience, and the science behind flow, and all these things. And it turns out our minds are extremely distracted, like forty six percent of the day our minds are distracted. 70% of our days we are, spe we are spending in some kind of negative or, or kind of a, a primal state like stress or overwhelm or anxiety. And a lot of this has to do with um, the way we work. And especially during the pandemic, things have gone really worse because our brains perceive our homes as a place to rest and love and, and play and all of a sudden we've turned them into our offices but our brains are not used to seeing that so um, a lot of us working from you know kitchen tables and we don't have necessarily a designated space to 
work or that your brain is saying we shouldn't be working here that's why we're struggling so much with like that that things are getting blurry and all of a sudden you're going through your day in the fog because your brain's not used to seeing that so and within the hustle what i'm trying to do is is incorporate some some principles from well-being and flow and and look at productivity and creativity and combine all of that with mindfulness with more awareness with more presence and show people that you can actually um, do it in a completely different way. You can still achieve your, your business goals and you can still build a business and you can still lead your team or lead a company, but do it in fewer hours, allowing yourself to look at self-care as a priority, not as taking away from, from work. Yeah. Uh, um, looking at that um, rest ethic in addition to work ethic looking at time off as complementary to your creativity and productivity because all the science is showing it. Uh, and just doing t- taking little s- small steps and going in that direction because we are creatures of habit. It's so hard to break some of these habits. And yeah. look at it from a perspective of, you know, connecting with deeper purpose, more joy, more values, um, and just starting to slightly shift your perspective. All the studies out there, you know, like Andrew Barnes, who started the four-hour, the four-day work week mm-hmm. um, with perpetual guarding from a company perspective? Their company is now going on that four-day work week model, and they're gaining competitive advantage because, as you and I were talking about in this war of talents, people want more flexibility, people want more purpose in their life, people want more time off with their family, and they're willing to figure out a way to work smarter yeah. if they're given that opportunity. So the pandemic is a new, really interesting. Um, catalyst for um, actually now is the time to to re-evaluate how you work and how you're asking your employees to work because we've gone through this deeply transformational process and we're still in it actually but a lot of companies are jumping on that bandwagon gaining a competitive advantage and attracting top talent so I guess my question is what's stopping people from just doing like a 30-day experiment and see what happens because the companies that have done it are seeing a huge uptick in productivity, creativity, and more balance and well-being for their employees. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Now, it's really interesting what you're saying. I mean, I'm often struck by how often companies can get caught in their own navel-gazing and don't actually raise the gaze to maybe see what's happening in terms of some of these models for best practice uh, and also look at what the data is saying. Uh, around productivity. I mean, I, I work a lot with, with very high kind of um, uh, managers work in high pressure environments um, and they're working about 50 to 60 hours a week and they have a belief that this is required in order for them to be productive. When all of the research suggests exactly the opposite, you know, and there's plenty of it out there, you know, particularly with things like agile software development teams, 36 hours a week, after that, productivity falls off a cliff. Yeah. And yet continue to drive ourselves to hustle, as you say, in these in these ways that um, you know are not helpful for our biology and are actually not helpful for our performance either when, when, when you really kind of think about what peak performance might mean if we were to do things differently. So it is interesting that we don't, I'll just say, raise the gaze and have a look at some of the, the research that's there and some of these models for best practice that are out there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I was just looking at the research from um, a cognitive neuroscientist from Berkeley, and it's still, let's take Zoom calls. 
mm. if you uh, if you have that uh, notion that you zoomed out, that's because your brain actually after the first thirty minutes of the call, your uh, attention starts to deteriorate. So, so one simple hack that we can all implement right now is make sure that Zoom calls or video calls, um, for that matter, um, are no more than than thirty minutes, unless mm. you have a really really good reason to be 60 minutes because um, it's just our brains are not designed to be in video calls. You can be in a in-person meeting. It's a completely different um, way of, of working than on video calls. But now that we're on video calls, 30 minutes is the max. Another thing, for example, is uh, we spend 60% of our time in doing the, the busy work. We're mm-hmm. stuck in emails. We're stuck in Slack channels. We're stuck in this uh, different, if you know, ping-ponging communication back and forth instead of actually doing the deep work that matters at the end of the day. And yeah. so we, all, we have to figure out a better way of communicating. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's interesting. One of the things I find with a lot of people who are used to operating under conditions of a stress state, they find it difficult to get themselves moving unless they're in that state right uh you know again if you look at high performance high performance tends to spend 80 percent of their time on what they call important non-urgent tasks so you're not in a stress state when you're doing it right and maybe 20 percent of your time is spent on important urgent tasks and 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 you might be more of a a stress in that situation but you know that's that's the recipe for high performance but as you say often people are always focused on what's urgent right and it's often on what's urgent and not important <laughs> as well, you know, just incremental as opposed to things that are going to make an exponential difference to, to um, you know, the business success. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the studies show that, um, you know, this multitasking or having all these different tabs open, um, when you do that cognitive switching, there mm-hmm. is a residual attention, right? So when you go and check your email and you come back to your project, it takes you, what, 23 minutes to regain your focus but also, if you're switching in between projects, let's say, you know, you're working on one project and then you go, okay, I'm, now I'm going to switch to the other project. Well, you, you're carrying over a little bit of your attention into the next project. So you're better off going for a walk for 10 minutes mm-hmm. or, you know, or going to get a drink of water or do some stretching or quick meditation or whatever it is, and then starting a new project because, because your brain is still on the old one. Yeah. So all of these things, you know, we can, <laughs> it's really interesting to me because we're, um, we're stuck in this hustle mode, which is, you know, unfortunately encouraged by, you know, some, some entrepreneurs, some business leaders. Um, we continue to see that as a way of, that's the only way to success. But really, as you know, stress or chronic stress and burnout affects our, our health, our well-being. And I have nothing against like doing sprints with work. You know, if you have a deadline or a project, you know, work longer, but then take that time to recover and yeah. rest. And we're just keeping that in between. If you look at high-performance athletes, that's what they do, right? They, yeah. tra- they train and then they take, take time to recover. But why are we not doing this in the business world? Exactly, exactly. I, I, I love the uh, analogy that you gave when we were talking recently of the cheetah in that respect, you know, um, where it, 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 it sprints full out, right? Fastest animal in the world, but then it rests for three days. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't have a cheetah at home, just look at your dog, right? You take your dog out, they play, 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 they play for two, three hours, then they go home, what do they do? They take a nap. 
Yeah. And then they're ready to play again. It's the exact same thing. We need to start working with our biology, not against us. And against and currently we're working against our biology. And unfortunately, um, all these studies are brushed off because that's how we're used to work. That's how we're trained to work. That's what we are told we need to do. You know, long, hard hours lead to success. When in reality, it leads to stress and burnout, a lack of creativity, lack of productivity. So we need to, to shift our perspective around it. Yeah. And of course, it also begs the question, what is success? Right. Exactly. And how do we redefine that success? Exactly. So I just got done presenting at Wisdom 2.0 with Ariana Huffington was there. And, you know, she talks, she shares her story about how she redefined her success when she was building the Huffington Post and then not sleeping, collapsed in her office, hit the desk, broke her chin, woke up in a pool of blood. And I keep hearing stories like this over and over and over again. And people are just um, collapsing from, from burnout, from lack of sleep, from not eating well, from not getting their exercise or dying in the case of, you know, the overwork is actually considered the fifth leading death in America. And obviously mm-hmm. in, in Japan, the word karoshi means death by overwork. In China, yeah. 996. It's yeah. not just a U.S. phenomenon. It's, it's a, a worldwide phenomenon. So um, so how do we redefine our successes for everybody to, to figure that one out? Um, obviously, in my case, I went from redefining my American dream to, in, to include a lot more just opportunities and creativity and freedom. And these are my values as to how I go about designing the life I want to have, the purpose I want to lead with on Hustle, and um, and the community I want to start with it, and how I go about my day, so so that I practice what I preach. And that's the funniest thing a lot of people say. Well, it's a startup, so are you hustling to get on Hustle going, right? So it's an yeah. internal joke. And um, I think I work about five to six hours each day mm-hmm. of, of focused work, but I'm still a very determined, driven, type A overachiever. So I definitely have the internal struggle with when is enough enough and when do you call it a day. And it honestly t- comes down to awareness and discipline and yeah. and knowing the research and the stats and the science behind. I'm I'm disconnecting from work, not because um you know I don't have my ego. Um, driving me to build a, a big business or, or share my, my passion, my message with the world, but because when I disconnect, I can be more productive, more creative, and high-performing individual in the long run. Yeah, how do you come back again? And I think what you're talking about there, that discipline to actually shut down so you can be fully off when you're fully off. Right. Fully on when you're fully off. That is something I see the big struggle for lots of people. Um, yeah, because otherwise we're just going through our days in kind of half asleep mode, right? We, we, you know, we're checking emails because we consider it productive because you're responding to people. So you feel like you're accomplishing something. But in right. the meantime, you're pushing your biggest project till the end of the day when we know willpower is the strongest early in the morning. So if you just took, let's say, 90, 60 to 90 minutes in the morning and worked on that one thing that you have to get done and then check your emails... That's been like a huge um, habit change for me. You know, instead of grabbing your phone and checking emails first thing in the morning, go to your morning rituals, make sure you're, you know, you're taking care of yourself and then spend 60 to 90 minutes in that monk morning um, state before you 
open up your time and attention to the rest of the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do think with a lot of people um, who do enjoy their work as well, they're, they're, there's an addictive element to it. And particularly, actually, if you're in a flow state um, as you're working, because we all know the flow is addictive. Um, one of the things I found was an interesting strategy for, comes from um, writing and looking at Ernest Hemingway, how he used to do this. He would always say, finish while you while you still kind of want to write more, right? So when you're when you're in that point, you're still excited. Finish then. That's a really good strategy. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It is addictive, and for most of us who are, especially entrepreneurs, very very highly uh, drawn to the type of work you're doing. I mean, you started the company because of your passion, your purpose, and you want to, and you're very connected with it. So a lot of people find joy in what they're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're leaving time for other activities because they will make you a more a more well-rounded individual. But that's a really good strategy with Ernest Hemingway, so I'm going to start implementing that. Yeah, yeah. I think the idea was you, you, if you stop when you're still excited, when you come back, you're going to be excited to come back. Whereas if you get flat, then you're less likely to want to come back to do it again, you know? So, uh, it's, uh, But I think, I think those rituals at the end of the day are so important. And for many people, they're, they're just... You know, they struggle to do that. You know, there's, as you say, phones by the bed, <laughs> you know, constantly cognitive load as to what's happening the next day at work, not being able to just disconnect and, uh, you know, have clear boundaries um, between the different aspects of your life. So let's talk a little bit about boundaries, because I, I think this is something I see is the biggest issue. I mean, there are obviously systemic issues in terms of how organizations are, are set up and what they're asking from their people. But fundamentally, um, there's also a lot of, choices that we can make that we maybe we don't make because we're uncomfortable with setting firm boundaries and we're uncomfortable with saying no. So 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 tell me a little bit about kind of what you see in that respect and, and, and maybe some of what Don Hustle is doing in, in that particular area. And that's a big one. And I see a lot of uh, talk about say no, learn to say no, but you know, don't get fired for saying no, because obviously there's only so many times you can say no to your boss before you get fired. So I look at setting boundaries um, as a way of being more connected with your values mm-hmm. and in what is important to you. Mm-hmm. And when you look at saying no, what are you saying yes to? What's the yeah. trade-off there? Um, so if there is a way to establish priorities better and I used to get that pushback from my employees so I know how annoying it can be when you give somebody uh, one more project to do and you say this is really important and they look at you with a blank look on their face and they say well I already have 10 other things on my list so what should I prioritize now and just being able to help your people create the priorities I think clear goals is is in clear communication um are really, really important right now. And we've gone away from it a little bit. And that's why we're adding more meetings because we feel that if we're in meetings, then maybe we're getting the work done. Because before, you know, you go to the office, people see you coming in and out, you're productive, you you get these small wins. Well, now no one sees you. So it feels like you're working in a vacuum. And to have these boundaries, I think it needs to be more important to have the clear goals and to have the clear communication and the, and the clear outcomes, whether you do it on an annual, quarterly, weekly, daily basis. You know, every day, what are you like three most important tasks that you want to accomplish that at the end of the day, if you check them off your list, you would feel fulfilled and you would feel like you won the day because sometimes we have 
30 things on our list and all of them are competing for attention and energy and we don't have that time and energy. So focusing on the most important tasks each day, I think will give you the boundary you're looking for by the end of the day. And then from a very biohacking perspective, uh, obviously working from home, having a designated space that feels like you're working. So you're training your brain that this is where you work, whether it's um, designated space, maybe changing the tablecloth on your on your kitchen table so it feels like you're working, uh, putting certain music on, you know, having a candle or whatever it is that tells your brain now it's time to work. Mm-hmm. And then when you disconnect from that, you you can go into your home and feel like now it's time to rest. Yeah, and not working in your bedroom. <laughs> I don't know how many coaching calls I've done with people where they're actually in their bedroom working on it. And I know it's difficult to find space, but if there's one no-no, it's to yeah. or to associate your work with your sleep. Um, um, so that's that's definitely something to avoid, yeah? Yeah, because our brains are um, creating these these little neurons of information and connections, right? And all of a sudden, if you are working from your bedroom, then your brain's thinking this is where we work and this is where we need to be productive. This is where our brain needs to be on for the work aspect of things. And then if you're trying to sleep in that bedroom, your brain's going, well, no, this is where we work. So you're going to constantly be thinking about work. So, yeah, obviously, it's tough right now with not finding space. But even if you can create a little nook, somewhere that gives you the idea of this is where you work, then that would be very beneficial for that uh, boundary setting. Yeah, perfect. So, Melina, um, where can people get uh, kind of more information around the whole on hustle movement, connect with you and get involved in some of the programs that we offer? What would be the best places to, to reach out to you? It's um, the easiest thing is obviously the website unhustle.com. I do have uh, everything from there, the Unhustle podcast, all the social networks that I'm on and all the programs are available there as well. And I'm going to keep working on my Unhustle book to come soon. There is an ebook actually on the website. If people want to see kind of different perspective of what people and companies have done, they can download it at uh, unhustle.com forward slash ebook and you'll get seven examples with how people are implementing certain aspects of um, Unhustle. Perfect. Well, listen, thank you so much again for making the time to be with us. I, for me, this is, um, it's massively inspiring um, what you're doing. I think it's massively important as well. Um, as you, you know, there's, there are people, as I said, getting to the point where, um, you know, they do hit burnout and that's a very, very serious issue. It, it, it can take years actually to, to come back to yourself after something like that. So, you know, slow down. Find your rhythm. <laughs> Slow is smooth, smooth is fast, right? That's what we want to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Work into the world at this time, Melina, and really appreciate you being with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Aloba. It was a pleasure. I'm
Oh, no, no, no. 